0: When I was getting this podcast off the ground, we first started as the Wedgecast, evolved into the Map Action show. There was a lot of questions that we had, like, how do I record an episode? How do I get my show in all the different places like Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor, Zencaster, all these different places. And yet it just seemed very, very complicated. But the simple thing for us as we began to navigate the waters is the answer to every single one of these questions, questions excuse me, was really simple. It's Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free. Yeah, free. And it's ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Making money. Okay. It's sweet. It's easy. It's not a big cheap plug on an ad, but it's just simple and easy to use. So for us, it's one of the best parts about it is we can do it entirely remote or in studio. So you can record. You've got that really, really high, you know, high in the sky person that you're going to have as a guest in your podcast. You got to do it remote. Anchor is easy to use. You got people who are willing to come to your studio, your house, your office, wherever you're recording it. Boom. Anchor. Love it. Simple, easy, simple and easy to use. So if you ever want to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. Join me in the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Can't wait to hear your podcast. Welcome back, WedgeCast listeners. On this episode of the podcast, I'm hanging out with Pete Lampson. He is the CEO of JazzHR. The timing of this is phenomenal. We are announcing a partnership with their organization today. JazzHR is an amazing applicant tracking system and recruiting tool, and Wedge is an amazing video interview platform. And our two organizations have partnered together, and it's been so, so much fun Pete is an awesome guy. He's a leader in the technology world, SaaS world, and he's got a heart for small to medium-sized businesses and just helping those organizations grow and hire the right people. So it's been really fun for me to learn from him. And on this episode, we get to dive in a little bit to his background and how he has become a success in the SaaS technology growing organization space. So tune into this episode. It's awesome. Pete's a great guy. Well, Pete, thank you so much for being a guest on the WedgeCast.
1: Great to be here, Matt.
0: So, Pete, we first interacted because of our two organizations and a partnership about <clears throat> how our two companies can interact and ultimately add value to the clients. But when I first got, you know, when we first met, I was fired up and just excited to learn a little bit more about you. So if you can, can you just give a little background about your story? Sure.
1: So so my uh, career it has been in working with emerging growth companies, uh, always technology-based and and helping them to achieve their full potential whenever possible, typically focused on businesses that have a target market of small businesses, which uh, can mean a lot of different things to different people in different companies. But generally speaking, uh, companies under 1,000 employees, um, done so both domestically and internationally, and uh, my role has ranged from operations to pure sales to general management, uh, and now at Jazz HR, uh, I serve as a CEO of the company. And so it's been really rewarding over the last 25, 30 years. Um, as always with the with an early a career focused on early stage growth companies, there are some hits and some misses. Uh, you certainly learn from both. And uh, but very very rewarding to to help companies uh, e- uh, devise a plan, execute a plan, uh, put in place the rigor and discipline needed to to achieve their dreams in a responsible manner that that delivers results. Uh, not only for the company, but but perhaps m- most importantly, provides benefit to customers um, and a fair return to investors. So it's been a, a rewarding uh, three decades.
0: So the love for working with small businesses did that come from some background that you just enjoyed the process of that, or did that come from working with enterprise level and saying nope, don't want to touch that? I mean, where did the where did you sort of find the niche of liking to work with small companies?
1: you know, it's a great question, and, and one that I've sort of pondered. Um, I think ultimately it comes from my father, and and while my father was not a uh, a, a, a technologist when he was working, um, he's long since retired, but but he was a dentist, and by then by definition, he ran a small business, and so uh, our family saw firsthand what it was like to to be supported by a small business and the things that come with that and there are um what i always really respected about what he did uh and i should offer that that my mom assisted him every step of the way as well was that it was it was a business that he created with his own two hands and and whatever successes he enjoyed um uh, certainly yes he had a good team supporting him and he couldn't have done that without without all of his office co-workers, but it was his ability to create uh a, a living and and a support system for our family and do what he loved to do um with his out of his own imagination and creativity and, and work ethic. And and while dentistry is of course extremely different from technology based companies, that shared sense of of passion, of dreams, of, of setting goals for yourselves and finding ways to make them happen when you don't really have a whole lot of, of other resources to rely upon other than yourself is, is a common point. And so I, I think it probably started there, um, if I can play junior psychologist, I think. But um, but I've always been uh, passionate about small businesses, continue to be. And and another thing that's fun is if you're working in a small business and chasing small businesses as customers and helping them uh, uh, perform better in their own right, you tend to work for fast-moving companies, and that I love. And I, I think I would struggle working for much larger companies where where there is, by definition, a slower pace of execution and, and a slower pace of daily rhythm. It doesn't mean it's bad, by the way. It's not. I mean – I mean, I mean, certainly we aspire to build jazz h r into a big, huge business. Um, but but that fast paced um, get it done, get it done now attitude is something that that I, I love that energy and that passion and and it motivates me and drives me.
0: That's amazing. So I got to ask a funny question because there's a little backstory to this question. Uh, at what point did you know you were not going to go into the medical field because, so it's funny how you're currently running a SaaS product or, you know, a CEO of a, a SaaS-based company and your dad was a dentist. My dad was as well too, and I'm doing the same exact you're thing. You're kidding. And so, yeah, exactly. So my dad was an oral surgeon. So I grew up, you know, in church. Yeah. You always had to sit next to, at the end aisle because he would be on call and he was running his business and stuff like that. So I could totally relate to the backstory of that. So at what point did you decide, uh, you know, you weren't going to go into the medical field. The, the, the technology was for you. I mean, was that high school level. Was that college level? At what point did you, did you get a taste of that?
1: Well, I, I, you know, I, I, I was never drawn to a, uh, a medical career, uh, or a science career. Um, and, and in fact, if I'm, I'm probably more interested in those things now at, at age, in my, in my mid fifties and than, than I was then, but it, it was just something that didn't have interest for me from the perspective of what the profession actually was building the business did absolutely. And again, I, I, I don't want to repeat what I just shared, but that piece of it had intrigue, but, um, I just never really had interest in, in the medical community as a profession. Again, great respect. And for those who do, and thank goodness that people do because they better all of our lives. Um, but it was it was for me it was uh it was it had really has been always technology since the mid 90s my my first startup was a company by the name of PD circuits and we provided electronic circuit boards for uh um uh for technology based manufacturing companies this was pre pre most software or pre certainly pre internet pre saas model so we were in the hardware business, and and then when I uh, took a few years off, and or a couple of years off, and went back to business school. When I was graduating, it was in 1998, and at the absolute height of the dot-com bubble, and so there was so much opportunity and exciting thing happened, exciting things happening there that it was a a great time to move from hardware into software and internet businesses and and uh, as that whole industry was just exploding and impacting every single part of how the global business community conducted business that it was uh it was an exciting time. So I think I that that certainly contributed as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So as as you sit in the role as CEO now throughout the, the course of your career, career you've held positions in you know, a lot of different ways from operations managers to, uh, you know, senior vice president sales. So wh- I- I- as far as running an organization goes, would you say you gravitate more in the sales route or gravitate more in an operations route or maybe a different route, even other than those? Like what is your, what, sure. wh- what gets you fired up out of that?
1: You know, and I think that, that for early stage technology, technology businesses, most CEOs come from one of two backgrounds. Either they are the, the product, Visionary, and and they founded the product based on a, a, or they founded the company based on, on their vision for a customer solution. They had the product chops to get it done, and probably the engineering chops to, at least get the company initially launched. That's sort of one, very common, typical, um, CEO background for for emerging growth technology companies. And the other is as you suggest those with more of a go to market focus. Um I'm more the latter where I've I've almost always been on the revenue side of the business and that's been my um the, the, the primary focus of my career, although not entirely for you know for as I mentioned before, about thirty years. Um having said that it's it is critical that that you have an appreciation and understanding um, of the importance of of all parts of the business, and certainly uh, ensuring that, especially in the parts of the business that that aren't, don't come quite as naturally to me, that we have a really strong team in place. Um, we're very fortunate at, at Jazz HR that we, while we have uh, a tremendous uh, a tremendous product and engineering team as well as product and engineering leadership, we're equally strong. In our leadership on the go-to-market side in sales and marketing and and our strategic alliances so we're we've been very fortunate in that respect but it's it's um my focus is more go to market it's my comfort zone um and as such i spend probably more time thinking about product and engineering to kind of offset that because it doesn't come quite as naturally um but uh anyway if that answers your question
0: yeah it absolutely does and i will say a cheap cheap plug because i've had the chance and the opportunity to spend time in both of your offices and I don't know how you guys have done it because your staff is amazing. It's a perfect combination of like all personable people, but yet work really, really hard and do some amazing work too. So I, I've I've been blown away by by just interacting and in, and in, in with both your teams. It's it's a special company for sure.
1: I feel that way every day, every single day. We are so fortunate and grateful to have the folks that we have, and they're they're dedicated. They are passionate about what we do they really believe in our mission of, of helping small businesses recruit more effectively. But as you point out, they're all, they're just, they're good people. And they're, they're folks that it's, it's fun to spend time with. I mean, we spend more time in our working lives than with our coworkers than we do oftentimes our our family members and, and close friends. And so it's so important that you're, Spending that time with people you enjoy being with, and and I'm very fortunate to to be able to say that that's absolutely
0: the case with us. That's amazing. So one of the favorite one of my favorite parts about having a podcast is I sort of get to ask for free advice. So as a uh, as a sales focused CEO, how have you balanced, especially in growth companies, how have you balanced being able to tell a potential customer that they might not be the right fit because I'm an opportunistic guy. I love the excitement. I love the chase. I love being able to grow businesses and think about different directions of where we can go. But sometimes it takes hyper-focusing and being able to tell some opportunities no. So throughout the course of your career, a very long-winded question, too. How have you been able to be a sales-focused guy but also be able to say no to opportunities?
1: Well, I agree with everything you just said, except I would take out the word sometimes. Um you have to be able to tell people no um, for us and for i I would argue most successful businesses, understanding who your target market is, where your solution has product market fit is critical and everything about how you sell, but it's not just how you sell, it's how you market it's it's what additions and um to the product end up on your product and engineering roadmap. It's, you know, it's everything we do has to be geared towards that target audience. And for Jazz HR, it's small businesses um, uh, under 1,000 employees with a real sweet spot of about 25 to 500 employees. But we kind of in the scenario you're suggesting, we'll have companies from time to time with five ten thousand employees knock on our door. um, And while it, it could be easy to get excited about the potential size of the sale that could lead to, um a couple things are going to happen a if we sell them if we're able to convince them to to buy jazz hr they're they're going to be looking ultimately they're going to be looking for for feature functionality that there are other more enterprise companies better suited to to meet that need for them so they ultimately there may be a customer satisfaction issue secondly inevitably there's going to be feature requests they make um that we're not going to want to build um so we want to stay laser focused on Product market fit in our target market, and and I do think all businesses need to do this, as sort of defined by um, the, the five classic product market fit questions, which is what problem are we solving, for who, how many of them are there, why will they buy, and why will they buy from us? Answer those five questions and then stay laser focused on the market that you're addressing to solve their problems. And if you drift outside of your target market, no matter how enticing or exciting a particular sale may be, you risk losing that organizational focus that can drift into um uh chaos. Uh it can lead to roadmaps that don't that, that have feature functionality included in them that that don't really meet your target market objectives. Um, unhappy customers, unhappy employees, because you're all over the map versus really staying focused on, on what you do. And at the end of the day, your financial returns are going to suffer as well.
0: So go ahead and just, you know, send me the consulting bill because that's everything I needed to hear and wrap that up. That's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I mean, that seriously, that's, I, I, it's always interesting to me. I mean, we're not as, as a growing startup ourselves, And also, it's been fun as I've started to grow the business. I've had a few people approach me about, "Hey, I've got this idea. I want to start." And that's just that's what gets me fired up a ton. But you you begin to see from the outside perspective, man, you are all over the place with your different ideas. And I stop and think, you know, there's been seasons that I have been that way too. And so, how do we hyper focus? And so, learning from you know somebody who's obviously done that and done that quite well is is fascinating. So, thank you for that. Now, the
1: the the key thing you got to do is if you're if you're picking one market and going after it. And again, and as you get bigger, as companies get much bigger, of course, they can expand to different markets. But I'm talking those early stage emerging growth companies, especially. Um, it makes sure that that market you're going after is big enough to be interesting. And so, you, you know, you don't want to be hyper focused on a market that at the end of the day is tiny because then you're you're by definition you're setting up yourself up to 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 build a small company. And 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 unless that is what you want to do, make certain that your market is is big that you're going after. But big big does not mean that you can't be focused. Those two things are not mutually exclusive.
0: Sure. Yeah. So, what is it that you're it's what's your favorite part of your day? As you as you take on and and obviously we as we talked a little bit before this, you were Taking on a red eye flight, but yet you're back in the office and you're grinding away. So, like, what is it that that that's your favorite part of your day today? Maybe not today, but in general.
1: So the 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 thing that I love most of all about early stage businesses is taking something from an idea that maybe you thought of in the shower or mowing the lawn or somebody else suggested in a staff meeting. Where hey, what if we tried such and such? Or, hey, our customers are all asking for X, Y, Z functionality, and it's something that that we don't offer, or or perhaps we hadn't even considered it. Going from that ideation, from that whiteboard brainstorming, and then fast-forwarding however long it takes to build it, if you decide to build it, six, 12 months, whatever it may be. And all of a sudden, you emerge with this product built, and you have customers that are loving it and are sending you email thank yous or talking online in review sites about how neat this functionality is. Um, And that ability to go from a whiteboard brainstorming session through all the market research and product specs and talking to prospective customers – building out the, the it, from an engineering perspective, coming up with the launch pan, plans, training the sales folks. There is a ton of work that goes into that. But it, it is, for me, really, really gratifying when, when you do all that work and you want something and then you have customers who are not only just delighted by it, but are delighted by it to the point where they will hand you money. That, for me, is... Just about the most rewarding thing that we can do, and I'll give you a, a very recent example for us. Um, um, w- one of the pieces of functionality that that we have been getting continual requests for from our customer base was adding texting functionality to our recruiting solution, and that's just a function of of changing times and how candidates and recruiters now uh, often don't recruit, recruit or, or, or engage with each other just via email but texting offers more immediacy and and a a faster way to to engage with each other. So our our customers and prospective customers have been asking us for texting functionality. Uh, We committed to do this in our 2019 planning session last fall, we committed to a Q2 launch. And at that time, that was the extent of it. We didn't know how we were gonna build it. We didn't know what we were gonna build. We didn't know what it was gonna look like. We didn't know what pricing and packaging was gonna look like, and we spent from november until this past june uh working on integrating texting capabilities into jazz hr solution and we're now live with it and our customers are delighted um we've had a really really good customer response we're getting great customer feedback not only positive but suggestions on 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 some some minor adjustments we can make here and there and that sort of thing is really rewarding because you go from an idea to launching something that is helping our customers solve their problems more effectively, which is a, a, a better way to communicate with, their, with the candidates they're trying to hire um, in a fairly short amount of time. And, and again, to the point where they're willing to pay us to do so, which is really, really gratifying. So that's the favorite part. That's my favorite part of my day every day.
0: Yeah, that's a special, and I can totally resonate with the idea—the idea on the idea a napkin that ultimately evolves into somebody hands you money, and it's not, it you know, the money obviously is an important component to that, but at the end of the day, it's the perceived value of what they're getting, and and right. action, and and then turning that into drive value, that and and then have them go talk about it and tell others. That's a special thing. That's, that's a right. special and thing.
1: The 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 money isn't the benefit. I mean, hey, I mean, we all love money. Who doesn't, right? But that the point of it is, it is as it, the the dollars that they send to us it's not the dollars necessarily that are gratifying it's that is a that is the ultimate proof point that we have built something of value because people can say it's great i love this is so great but if if they are willing to hand you dollars you have proven that they find value in it and it validates all the work that you did and the initial ideas that you came up with and the whiteboard brainstorming and all the debating and arguing and and passionate discourse on the best way to execute this and and it shows that uh, that we build something that the market values. So I, I again, I, I find that really
0: gratifying. That's amazing. So I have a very interesting question because of the seat that you sit in. So you have a tool that has helped hundreds of thousands of job seekers get jobs. And there's a lot of people out there who either can't stand at the job that they're in or they're going through a really, really tough time. And so... My first part of this question is, has there been a period of time in your life, and this is kind of designed around the podcast, but that you didn't necessarily want to get out of bed or you were just going through a tough time? And then secondly to that, in that period of time, how did you ultimately get out of that? And I think that, your, you know, your answer to that and just kind of helping through ultimately helps the discouraged job seeker who's out there struggling. And so sure. ultimately the question is, you know, has there been a tough season of your life and then how, you know, how did you get out of that?
1: Well, um... Great question. And first, I'll say anyone who is who feels like they need to make a change in their career. um, Boy, there has never been a well in the last 50 years, there has never been a better time to be looking than right now. This is a a fantastic time when it's it's a tough employment economy for for recruiters. But it is fantastic for candidates Um, to answer your question specifically where, uh, you know, the answer is, of course, yes. I think we've all been through that. Um, And for me, it's it's i really enjoy the the passion and the the journey of building businesses and and while a, you know um it, it it's not wine and roses every single day at any company and sometimes work is work and that's true everywhere generally speaking you want to be excited to come to work every morning you want to be motivated by the mission that you're trying to advance with uh, your company, by the people that are, are surrounding you to help advance that mission, um, believing in the in the solution that you 're offering and that you 're providing value to to the market you 're going after, um, and you 're locked arm in arm with great smart people hard charging to to accomplish that objective and anything other than that for me, it moves from call it really exciting career adventure to just a job. And when I'm in just a job where it's, I, I, you know, I feel like it's a place to go to get a paycheck. Uh, boy, it, that's just not a fun place to be. I, I want to be, you, you know, there's, I, I know I'm in the right place when there's times when I wake up at two o'clock in the morning and I can't get back to sleep because my mind is instantly in the office and the gears start turning. And well, it's, <laughs> it can be frustrating because you want to get back to sleep. I know I'm engaged in when that's happening and it's fun. and, And it's it's so much more than being at the right place is so much more than just the compensatory rewards that 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 whatever position might offer you. Um, So I struggle when I'm not in that place. Um, And I think when you're in emerging growth companies or startups. um, Over the course of a career, it's it's probably impossible to not have a couple of missteps, and and the question then becomes okay is this something if if i'm in a place where i'm not feeling that way and i'm not as engaged and i'm not uh as excited to to come in and advance the cause every single day is this something that i can fix internally me um and i can address and solve for that or am i just in the wrong place and do i need to make a change of employers and in my career that's happened twice um and I think, I think it's part of the nature of the beast when you're with early stage businesses. So, can I ask so, a
0: can I ask a question on that? Sure. This is a tough question, but uh, when you say that that's happened twice, was that you becoming self aware of that, or somebody telling you that that needs to change?
1: Me being self aware of it. Cool. And me thinking, you know, uh, okay, I, I'm. It's been. It's. I'm finding it hard to go to work. I, I'm. I'm looking forward to the day being over um i want to get home and and do whatever it is i want to do at home and and work just becomes work and it becomes a job and it never happens instantly but it usually means i've made a bad career choice and and it's one that again i even need to rectify internally at where i'm at or i need to just make a change cuz this the place i'm at is is not the right fit for me and and what i'm looking to do and so i'm generally pretty self-aware of that stuff and so it, it wonderfully has not happened for a while, but it has happened. And 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 I've tried to learn from those so that when I'm accepting a new position, um g- g- both cases where it happened to me it was where I went I is where I, I I took a role with a company that with the benefit of hindsight, I never should have accepted. And so you you self reflect on that and say, okay, what did I learn so the next time around, how can I do whatever I can to not repeat that? What questions can I ask more during the recruiting process, or what research can I do through through kind of a- available resources to learn more about the company before I get there? Um, what, how can I learn more about the market that we're attacking, and and all of those things, or a combination of those things, can be can be reasons that 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 lead to to a, a suboptimal career decision. Um, so wonderfully, it, 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 this has not happened for a period of time, but it, it did happen earlier in my career. And, and again, I, I, I think with the benefit of, of some experience and, and making some missteps, hopefully I can f- prevent it from recurring, but that's, that's Jen, those have been the, the, the two times where I've been not that happy going to work every day.
0: Yeah, I love that. So let's uh, let's flip that on its head and say, you know, what is it ultimately? I mean, you've talked about this guiding small businesses, helping run small businesses, the growth stage. But I guess more on like a personal, like Pete level. Like, what is the impact that you ultimately want to have on an individual person?
1: I'm not sure I'm understanding the question. Uh, uh, what do you mean on an individual person?
0: So a staff member who walks in the door who only gets to spend a year with you, a year with you, or. Um, not just I guess the question is related to not necessarily just on growing businesses, but on individual people. What's the impact that you you would like to have on those individual people? Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: Great question. Cool. I, I think um I over my career I, I've I've had the opportunity to work with a number of really, really strong leaders and leaders that brought different skill sets that hopefully I've benefited um from all of them but but some being really strong emotional kind of eq leaders for a company if you will and passionate leaders of people um who who are able to drive mo- um emotional momentum and commitment within a company, make it a fun place to come work every day, make them feel appreciated, make employees feel appreciated, but at the same time challenged. Um, that's something that 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 is something that I, I've learned a lot in my career from, again, for some, some very positive mentors. And then at the same time, there have been leaders I've worked with who have assisted with what it takes to build Metric, disciplined, data-driven companies, and and how having that level of rigor and discipline to guide all of your decisions, and including what and we talked earlier about what product market, what, what target market to go after as a company, and having the discipline to not uh, chase opportunities outside of those markets, or whether it's. Um building sales and marketing funnels, or whether it's building product performance metrics and all, all the things that we need to do to make our company be as uh, both effective for our customers as we possibly can, but also as successful financially as we can uh for ourselves and our investors come into play and so if I'm able to impart to folks who work here and, and some of the, the team members here who are perhaps a little earlier in their careers, an understanding of all the different pieces of, of the, the puzzle that's required to build a successful company from whether it's, it's cultural, uh, b- building a winning culture, having fun while you're at work every day, while at the same time understanding that we're here for a very serious purpose. You know, the whole notion of don't take yourself too seriously, but but take your job definitely seriously. Let's have fun while we are kicking ass, um, and that's an important part of this. Um, again, having building metric discipline cultures is important, and I think that's something that we we're not perfect here, but we work on every single day. and And that's a uh, that can be a different mindset for um, colleagues who have perhaps not worked in that kind of environment before. Um, and I'm sure there are other ways to build companies, but that's I, the the benefit of what I've been able to do in my role as CEO here is kind of take the the greatest hits, if you will, of the last 30 years of my career, and try and put all those different pieces into place at as HR. And and we're not perfect by any means, and and certainly I'm not. But it's it's what you work towards and, and try and share with others so that, so that as they advance their own careers here and ultimately at some point, uh, some folks will move on for, for opportunities at other organizations, which is normal and natural. And they should do that as much as you want them to stay here. Um, they can take that with them as well.
0: I love that. That's phenomenal. Well, Pete, I want to leave you. Is there anything else you want to leave the audience with or any, any last closing thoughts? Uh, you know, we are really excited for our partnership with, with Wedge
1: and and uh, excited to put the word out in the street next week.
0: Love that. This is going to be phenomenal. Can't wait to see you out in Boston. So thanks again for being a guest on the show. Take care.